So this is the solution to the pilot shortage right here. We just need to lower the barriers to entry. Well, there's, you know, a couple of fundamental problems with this. Okay. One of of them being the outcome. But, you know, who who am I to, to, to cast judgment? I think any innovative solution is going to involve an increased, at least temporarily, an increased, you know, kind of, uh, 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 you know, percentage of failure. I'm sorry. I'm not saying we won't get our hair mussed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So what are we talking about here? Um, first flight for pilot who only studied online <laughs> ends in crash. This is from uh, GA News, General Aviation News. This is my shocked face. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The uncertificated pilot reported he had been studying an online course with the intent of pursuing a sport pilot certificate in the future. He per- well, see, that's it. He purchased the Coyote uh, um, S6ES uh, about a month before the accident. The accident flight was his first flight in the airplane. So it was his own airplane. That's how he got access to the airplane. Oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, for better or worse, we know that this, this, this is the way it works, that there's not, you know, it's not like every single flight is monitored. We don't, we wouldn't want every single flight to require some sort of approval. It's um, been proposed, but yeah, shot down. You know, massive I remember, flames, yeah, massive flames. I remember back in, in the early days of my my as a pilot, I, I was talking to a to a friend, um, not just to somebody, a stranger. I mean, literally a friend, someone I knew who was also a pilot. Um, and I'm relatively certain by the time we were having this conversation, he was a fully certificated pilot. But he told me a story about how he he had he started flying when he either owned or had access to all right, um, air coop, right, the little. Uh, the little yeah. uh, twin tail thing that used to have no rudder pedals, right? That's air coupe, right? It still has no rudder pedals. Uh, is that true? I thought it, they finally all got retrofitted. Anyways, um, he had access to He told the story about how he had flown for years, flown this air coupe without a pilot's license. Um, and, and I was just horrified. You know, I guess I still would be, but I've sort of, you know, Seen more things since then, you know, and uh, well, so there's, there's always the private, not non-instrument rated pilot who files IFR and blasts off on autopilot. Right, right, and so well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of making light of this. Would it be better if every flight required some sort of approval uh, that you're Jack, no. Jack. Of course not. Of course not. I was just giving you an opportunity to say that. Um, no, no. Right. So how do we do we do we try to um, um, protect people from this kind of folly, or do we just accept it as part of sort of the cost of doing business? Well, there are consequences it, to this. Okay? Yeah. And this guy is experiencing them. He crashed his airplane. He might be injured. There are consequences to this kind of behavior. Um, you know, whether the FAA will come after him, you know, it's not exactly, you know, they can't really pull a certificate. Um, but, uh, they could, you know, maybe bar him from getting a certificate for right. some period of time. I would imagine there could be like monetary penalties too, There could right? be a fine, civil yeah. fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. David, what were you going to say? Uh, nothing. Okay. It sounds <laughs> like, this sounds like the guy that I used to talk to years ago who insisted he looks it up in the Federal Register, the Federal Aviation Regulations. If you take off and land from the same spot and don't touch down anywhere in between, it's legal to fly without any regulation or pilot's license. Okay. Let's just to be clear here, that's not true, right? That's definitely not true. Okay. Uh, But he... uh, What if you were operating... All right, hypothetically here, what if one were operating um, uh, completely out in uncontrolled airspace, all right? You know, like some sort of private field out in the middle of nowhere. They never entered anything but uncontrolled airspace, whatever it is, Class G. Mm-hmm. Um, it still would be illegal. You still have to have some certification. Unless, of course, well, yeah, you have to be whatever the aircraft requires you need to fulfill, regardless right. of the type of airspace, right? Yeah, yeah the airspace doesn't matter. Okay. That's that's, that's, that's a non sequitur. Air, okay. Whatever airspace you're in, that doesn't matter. Okay. And elevation doesn't matter. Well, does elevation matter? 
what if I never left ground effect, which is a silly example, but just hypothetically. Sure. Uh, you, you, if you never left ground effect, you're going to get tangled up in the first fence. You come I, to. I, I get it. Okay. All right. So I, you, I, you're not going to let me get away with that. All right. Well, all right. So um, yeah. So uncertificated pilot uh, purchased his own coyote um, about a month before the accident. Yeah, um, he stated he was aware of a crosswind. Um, at his airstrip <laughs> in Pisgah, Iowa. Pisgah, Iowa. Either of you ever been to Pisgah? No. Pisgah. I, I assume I'm saying, I mean, no disrespect to those uh, listeners from Pisgah, Iowa, but uh, uh, P-I-S-G-A-H, Iowa. The ground uh, and the ground, oh man, and the ground dropping away into the adjacent bean field at the end. Uh, he planned to get airborne um, the ground drop, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. Um, you know, so hilarity ensued. Um, what what actually <laughs> happened? Did he just come down really hard? Let's see now. Uh, left wing stalled, airplane spun into the field. Guy's, Ooh. Very, guy's, pretty, Ooh. Darn, guy's pretty darn lucky. Um, but uh, What kind of airplane was this again? You, you say you bought it? It's the first first graph says it was a Coyote S60S. Okay, so it's a Rand. That's, that's a Rand, yeah. 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 Um, so, so that make, does that make it an LSA? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. So, um, um, anyways, how does it work, David, with ultralights? So with ultralights, correct me if I'm wrong here, you're not required to have a certificate, right? You can fly an ultralight period, right? I mean, the smart thing to do is get some training, but yeah, that's what we always recommended. Um, but, but you don't get but, the training, but there's no certificate required. There's no airworthiness certificate in effect. It's, and what are wow. the air, what are the airspace limitations of flying an ultralight in under, under those circumstances? Well, you got to abide by the airspace rules regardless. Uh, okay. And but can, a, a, can an uncertificated pilot fly an ultralight into, you know, an, a, a, I was going to say an ATA, a Class Delta? Well, oh, make it make it something tough, a Bravo. Uh, well, okay. Is that could they legally, assuming they had all the right radios and so forth? If they get contact with the controlling facility and get permission. Uh, and abide by all the other stuff, keeping uh, distant from clouds and other aircraft and buildings and yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. You can go fly. And what's the safety record of that kind of situation? Is it reasonable? Must be, because they've continued to let people do it for years and years and years. I've uh, only heard rumblings about how some people still, and we went back, we went through this in, in 80, 81, uh, some people think that it's still time to uh, make ultralights fly under the same rules as a, somebody that owns a Part 23 airplane. And it's like, eh, never gets anywhere. Right, right. Jeb, any final thoughts on uh, on flying after studying online only? Um, let this be a lesson to everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. It seems to me that the people who need this as a lesson probably not in a position to hear the message. Well, there's that too. Um, yeah. But, uh, anyways, one other um, um, kind of oddball little item here uh, that's on the list. Um, I, I I don't know if you guys looked at this video. I thought it was interesting. Obviously, airliners travel very fast, um, at a very high ground speed, regardless of what the, you know, the, the, the winds are like, it's very high ground speed. Um, but the, I, I don't know, I've always been, not always, but I've occasionally been curious, what does an airliner's speed look like if you could really kind of measure it against the ground, you know, like, like, you know, vehicles traveling along. And so, um, this guy, came up with an interesting way of visualizing the ground speed of an airliner is that he went into one of the flight sim programs um, and the flight sim program has this sort of chase plane mode where you, with a camera can follow the aircraft, um, you know, kind of just off its wing. All right. And then what he did was he's able to change the elevation, the altitude of the camera. It's still tracking laterally with the airplane, but he's able to lower the elevation, the altitude of the camera. So he brought the camera, even though the camera is following this airliner in the simulator, he 
he brought the camera all the way down to ground level, all right, so that you could get a real sense of how fast the aircraft was going over the ground. And uh, and I found it kind of interesting. Um, and I don't know whether you guys have had a chance to look at it. Um, I I actually thought it wasn't quite as fast as I expected it to be. Um, it didn't seem as fast as I expected it to be. Um, make no mistake, this thing's moving pretty fast along the ground, way faster than any vehicle or, you know, any ground vehicle. But uh, uh, Well, a couple of things. One, yeah. um, <clears throat> he's only doing 250 knots. Okay, and, so and not, oh, yeah, right. So two things. He's only doing 250 knots. One. The other thing is airliners are not the fastest aircraft out there. There's a lot of biz jets that are a lot faster, well, okay. measurably faster well, than, than, say, an, Air, an A320, which this is supposed to be. Right. Um, but that, all of that having been said, <clears throat> if he bumped it up to 450, which would be a reasonable true airspeed uh, at altitude for, for an A320, maybe more, I don't know, maybe less, if you bumped it up to 450, it would be a little bit different. The, the well, yeah, obviously it'd be nearly double, but yeah, uh, approaching you know, 180%, right? Yeah. 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 So, David, any thoughts on this? Well, it's what? Not, you really don't want to fly that fast, that close to the ground. Well, of course it's just, not. It's going to suck up fuel like a sponge. Yeah, well, of course, but that's not the point here. The point here is just to be able to visualize how fast 250 knots is, you know, down down among the the uh, terrain. So, anyways, all right. Well, I, well, can, I can do that in my debonair once. Yeah, once yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, you know, it, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, just, just don't fly under any bridges, hit any trees, or semi truck. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyways, all right. Well. Okay, we'll put a link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to see this example. And uh, I guess we need to reach out to the guy who created it and say, we want faster, faster. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, really. So, okay. Well, on that note, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from beautiful downtown Dover, New Hampshire, um, where it's uh, where it's beautiful and downtown. Um, it's, uh, you know, middle of summer and... Uh, um, just kind of hanging out. Just got back from a work trip. One of the, my, my, actually, this was my first old style, if you will, work trip since the pandemic. All right. This is the first regular job I've had in two and a half years. Um, they've come up with lots of different special, you know, pandemic versions of, of my work, which is many listeners know is in events and, and conferences. Um, but this is the first, first job, pr- first project we've done, we've done, that was just like we used to do it before the pandemic. And so it was interesting. It was really great to get together back with my, my coworkers. Um, as contractors, we, uh, we don't, you know, it's always a kind of casual part-time re- work relationship. Um, but not getting face-to-face with them in two and a half years was surprisingly sad. And so that was fun. Um, and, uh, Went to Disneyland. I got to go to Disneyland. You went to Disneyland. I did go to Disneyland, which was like well, maybe the scariest thing I've done in two and a half years. Um, it was it was like a lot of people, um, and uh, I brought my mask and I wore it occasionally. You know, when I got into crowds, I didn't go any ride lines or anything like that, so I was kind of careful. But uh, went to Disneyland. Um, anyways, I'm here in my uh, I'm here in our uh, virtual hangar talking to my two good friends uh, out there in the. Uh, in the, uh, in the in the real world, from uh, from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, is Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Oh, finer and frog hair. Finer and frog hair. You guys have been saying. I don't know whether you both say it or only one of you, but that, this is a phrase that's come up for year for fifteen years now. And uh, I don't know whether I ever questioned you about what it means, but uh, finer and frog hair. Oh, I guess it means uh, okay. It's referring not to the quality of the of the frog hair, but the size. The the, but then that doesn't make sense. Finer and frog you, hair. You have to you have to remember, Jack, that frogs yeah. don't have hair. Finer and frog. Well, see, then it even makes less sense. David, does that mean you're good? I assume that means you're good. Yeah. Yes. What's going I'm on out there? Fine as can be. Fine as can be. What's going on in Wichita, Kansas? How's the summer treating you? Uh, so, so far, it's been pretty moderate. Uh, we've already had. Just one hundred degree day and a few in the nineties back before the holiday and uh, and 
thankfully, uh, about a week before holiday weekend, we got two inches of rain. And boy, does the yard love that. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that a good thing? Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. And also here in our virtual hangar is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is uh, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Somewhere near fine. You you laugh at two inches of rain. Two inches of rain is... is, uh, (laughs) It's like, yeah, damp. (laughs) Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. So uh, everything good out there in in gator country? Yeah, it's... it's, um, it's, it's too hot. Too hot? What does that mean? Too, too, it means it's too hot. Yeah, okay. Um, but for, yeah. For me, um, too hot is like high 80s. For you, too hot it was, is... It was 80 this morning when I stepped out to go for a walk. I know, exactly. Right, yeah. Okay. So, and it's going to get to 95, and yeah. it's going to be, you know, 95% humidity. And, um, you know, thank God for air conditioning. Yeah, really. I don't know if you can hear that, but seems that one of my neighbors is using something that sounds like a leaf blower. Very annoying. I but, did hear something, but yeah, yeah I thought it, no. was, thought it was maybe the train or something. No, <laughs> no. The trains I like. The leaf blowers I could do without. Anyways, what else is going on? Oh, so uh, um, I, you know what? If, if, and this is really not a GA thing. This is an airline thing, but I've got to rant someplace. And this is, this is, <laughs> I, 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 you, I have, you chose us. <laughs> I have this podium. I'm going to take advantage of it. I had not one, but two of the most nightmarish airline travel, uh, 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 you know, adventures, if you will. Um, I, so I, like I said, I just went out to Anaheim, California, um, and Anaheim should be about door to door, 10 hours, nine hours. Okay. Of travel like door to door from my from Boston, from Boston. Yeah. Well, yeah, through, but, through Boston, I should through Manchester, actually Manchester, okay. New Hampshire. Um, um, it, it should be about nine or 10 hours from the time I leave my house in Dover to the time I walk into the hotel in Anaheim. Okay. Um, getting there was 27 hours. All right. And Ooh. returning was 26 hours. Right. Um, there were all the news, the news. So this is the first one was a week before the 4th of July. Um, the news has been full of stories of airline cancellations and that's what I got. All right. Um, the, on the trip out, um, I was at Manchester. I'd been at Manchester airport, um, waiting for my flight. Um, the flight was delayed by about an hour. Um, but my, my continuing flight was also delayed by an hour. So they should have worked out. All right. And then about 15, so I'd been sitting at Manchester airport for about two and a half hours already, about 10, 15 minutes before we were going to board the first flight, my, um, second flight came back on schedule. All right. So instead of being delayed an hour, it was suddenly on time, which meant I wasn't going to make my connection. And so we went and talked hmm. to this customer service people and they said, there's no way you get there tonight. Um, you're going to have to get on an airplane in the morning. And so um, in that case, I chose to return home. And so I, I returned back to Dover, um, slept for about three hours, got up at three to catch a 5 a.m. flight. Um, and that one went uneventfully and I got to, but, but so from the time I first left Dover to the time I finally made it to the hotel in Anaheim was 27 hours. Coming home on July 1st, which you just knew this was going to be a nightmare because of the holiday weekend and everybody was saying it was going to be awful. Um, I got to the airport in um, Santa Ana, Orange County Airport. I was uh, waiting for my flight. Things seemed to be on time. And as I was waiting for my... So I was going to fly from Anaheim, from Santa Ana to Newark and then Newark to Manchester. So as I'm waiting for my... Newark flight in Santa Ana, it comes across the net that my connecting flight was outright canceled, just boom, gone. All right. Um, and it was the last flight. I expected that it was going to be the last flight into Manchester that night. You know? And so I had to talk with the customer service people there and we decided that it made more sense for me to get on the flight to Newark. And if I was going to sit in an airport, I'd be sitting one that's at least most of the way home. So I went to Newark and, uh, and then, and then, oh, I waited. I went to the customer service desk, um, um, and no exaggeration. I stood in line. It took four hours to get to the counter at customer service. Seriously? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, 
and I mean, I wasn't alone. It was me and my, you know, a hundred new best friends um, were, were just, it literally took four hours. I started out being about 50th in line. I counted at one point. I started out being 50th in line at, a, at some point. While I was waiting, the line got what appeared to be as much as as 150 people long. Um, I, the people who were at the end of that line, I can't imagine how long they spent. They're servicing the an average of 12 and a half people an hour. Fig, go figure, right? Yeah, I know. Um, by the way, this is a this is an airline customer service desk, you know, station that has seven or so, seven or eight stations, you know, counter stations, and only, only one's three operating. Only three of which were, three it, it varied. It, usually it was three. A couple, uh, for a few moments, there were four. There were a couple times where there was only two. But basically, and it says, this didn't make sense. We're talking in line. You know, we're all like moaning, bitching and moaning in line. And we're going, well, what the heck? Everybody in the world knew there were going to be incredible delays this weekend. Why did they not staff up this, this service desk? Um, but they didn't. And so four hours. They probably um, don't have the help. Maybe they don't have the people. It's possible. I mean, you know, and, uh, um, they were remarkably calm. They were very pleasant. They just didn't have the resources to help me. Um, by the time I had gotten to the head of this this four-hour line, um, I had spent a lot of time online on my phone and on my iPad trying to figure out what the options were. And I had already booked myself on a, a flight the next morning. So this is now, by the way, I arrived in Newark at 11 p.m. I waited in line until 3 a.m., all right? Um, by 3 a.m., I had used the online services to book myself on an 8:30 a.m. flight to Boston, not to Manchester. Because, because, and and I and I, when I got to the desk, they confirmed for me that they weren't going to be able to get me to Manchester for like two days. It was just nothing, no seats available. So I took the Boston flight, and then. And then I was getting ready to get on a train. It was going to be like boats and planes and trains. It was going to be one of those kinds of trips. Um, God bless her, my sister. I called my sister and I said, any chance you could maybe, please, I'll do you a big favor. I'll owe you a big favor. Come down and get me. And so my sister drove down from, she lives in, not in Dover, but near us, near here. And uh, so God bless her. She drove down and got me. And uh, I was fine. To, no, no, to Boston. Oh, Newark. Boston. I got a, a morning flight from Newark to Boston. And then instead of having to get on the train to come back to Dover myself, which would still have left my car in Manchester. I'm sorry. I'm really, I don't know whether I'm going to leave this all in. Sorry, folks. This got to be a long rant. It was a, it was a, it was a travel experience. I, you know, during the midst of the pandemic, I promised myself, this is it. I'm done with airline travel. I, you know what, this is going to be my new lifestyle. I'm going to get there some other way. And, uh, and then of course, when work started to raise its, you know, become available, I'm going, all right. I'll take this flight. I'll take this flight. But man, oh man. See, what could possibly substitute for what you're doing now? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that was my airline travel adventure. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Sorry, folks. I had to rant. I may have. Time will tell. You never told us the carrier. Uh, two, two different carriers. This is like yet another part of the problem is that it's really hard to book these kinds of flights these days. Um, I was on Southwest outbound the 27 hours and I was on United coming back. Um, and, uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. United. It, oh, how, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, United airlines used to be the gold standard in my view, United airlines used to be the gold standard for how you run an airline. And, 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 uh, you know, just in term in, in, in by any measure, and it's just not true anymore. I swear, every time they, I end up on on United, it turns into a thing. And so, sorry about that, United. I know people who fly for United. I've known people who fly for United, but it's not as good as, as it used to be. I don't know. That was See, my rant. Your, your fundamental problem here, though, yeah. is assigning any carrier this top spot that you that you, you apparently think they should covet. Um, none of them deserve it. And they will always eventually let you down. Yes. Yes. Well, yes, it's, it's airline travel. It is what it is. It's, it's, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> things are, things are, times are hard right now. I'm not trying to make excuses for them exactly. All right. But, um, you know, airline travel is really, cause I've done a lot of airline travel over the last few years. I mean, you know, doing my job and uh, not a few years pre pandemic and, uh, and it always, it all, I always found it remarkable that the airlines. So when it comes to actually delivering, and Jeb, you may disagree with this based on what you just said a minute ago, but but the truth of the matter is, 
the airlines do a good job at delivering the specific product that they offer for a reason, very reasonable price. All right. Um, you know, it's like, for the most part, they get you there on schedule really fast by, by compared to any other means of transportation. All right. And cheaper, quite frankly, the airlines are cheaper than the trains. They're cheaper than, I mean, for, for a tip, for a comparable <sighs> distance, um, airlines do a good job of, 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 of fulfilling the specific product that they're offering. And yet it is the most unpleasant experience many of us come across in life. Um, it, it's just remarkable how unpleasant the whole experience is. Um, that's my view of it. Anyways. I'm not sure airplanes are cheaper than trains. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Probably I mean, not cheaper than buses. Right now, right quicker, now. Quicker, yes. Yeah, Except uh, no, when uh, you have to spend the night in Newark or something. Well, no, I, I'm talking, you know, problems aside, I'm talking back when things were relatively routine. Uh, I checked it a bunch of times. You know, if I wanted to come down to visit you in, in you know, in Tampa, Sarasota, um, the train is almost double what a airline ticket was airline tickets are all out of whack now because there's shortages and, and it's, it's crazy now, but let's go back to pre pandemic. Um, yeah, the airlines definitely cheaper. Do, do, do I've done the research trying to, cause I like trains. I would, I wouldn't mind riding the train. I wouldn't even mind taking the time to ride the train compared to the airlines. But, uh, yeah. So anyways, I don't know how much this is going to end up in the podcast. What's going on here? Uh, well, there's another airline story. Look at this. Um, yeah, ITA uh, uh, Airbus 330. I should actually look at the real story and not just the headline here. Where is it? Here it is. Um, ITA, which is what? Italian some airline. I was looking for the full-blown name of the airline. Um, ITA um, uh, Airbus 330 keeps going after clipping an Air France 777. So apparently what happened was um, during taxi or something while on the ground, um, this uh, delivery the calls it Alitalia. Um, anyways, it clipped the Airbus, the uh, the 777. I think Alitalia failed and the new name is ITA. ITA. Is it literally ITA? Or I, I, don't, I don't, I don't yeah, know anyways, that for sure. Let's just call it the ITA. The ITA clipped the 777 um, and... And for whatever reason, continued to taxi out and take off. Am I reading? Is this the right story? Um, and uh, and and somebody reported it to the controllers. So the controllers then relayed it to the ITA aircraft, who was already on the climb out, who apparently chose to continue. Um, and uh, when they arrived at their destination, they did in fact see damage on one of the wings. Um, so I don't know what to make of this story. I. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, Does this strike thing, you as unusual to, or, or just, you know, they'd have, they'd have to send a flight attendant back to the, uh, back in the cabin to look out the window to see wing damage because m- most of those uh, airliners, you, you can't see most of the wing from the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. But wouldn't, don't you think though, that if an eyewitness, if you get an eyewitness report that you made contact with another aircraft, that alone is, is automatic return to the airport. Don't you think? I mean, it just seems to me that would be the. It would be for me. Uh, but then again, I don't see gremlins out my airliner windows. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just I don't know I don't know what to make of this and uh, let me read the story because I did the did the ITA crew acknowledge that they felt a bump I think there's a story um, you're gonna make me open this link yeah it's only two graphs it's easy to read I should read it um, it happened at JFK earliest month and they carried on their flight to Rome the ITA crew was warned the collision had taken place by ATC but dismissed it and kept climbing over the Atlantic. The Air France crew, the oh, the Air France crew, the triple seven crew de- said they definitely felt the collision, and they got on the radio to ATC and said that the Alitalia ITA plane um, 
passed um, behind us and that hit our aircraft. This is what the 777 crew said. Um, and so the 777 crew advised ATC to tell them not to take off, but they had already taken off. Um, ATC told them this. Um, uh, there were apparently some confusion in the cab, and by the time the controllers got hold of the ITA crew, they were already climbing out. Quote, another aircraft on the ground currently, Air France said you hit them or something of that nature while you were taxiing, the controller said. The controller went on to say, did you experience any damage to the aircraft? The ITA pilot required negative, sir, and just continued. And they did find some damage when they arrived in Rome. I don't know. Seems pretty but reckless. But no gremlins. But no gremlins. Seems pretty reckless to me. I don't know. Well, it's all, they're already airborne. The airplane seems to be working fine. Um, that sounds like famous last words. Would you rather be stuck in New York or in Rome? Oh, no. Tell, if... <laughs> I was riding on an airliner one time, all right, and I like window seats. I always go out of my way to get a window seat. I don't like window seats over the wing, though, because I can't see the ground. This is a high wing, low wing thing. We won't go into it. Um, I'm I'm sitting at a window seat over the wing watching the wing surface, all right? And there's one place where there's some sort of little, you know, panel that opens up. It's probably some sort of spoiler that opens up on one of the spoilers that pops up um, on on uh, rollout, on landing. Um, and and there was a little piece of something. It wasn't yarn, but it almost looked like a piece of yarn, all right? Was flapping in the wind, okay, from this spot, all right? And when the spoiler went up, you could see it was even longer. You could see that it was something that was attached in there, all right? My guess is it was some sort of gasket type of material or something, all right? Um, and I watched it the whole flight. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I mean, it's me, William Shatner, and Dave's, uh, and Dave's uh, gremlin, all right? I'm watching this, this piece of yarn flapping on the wing, keeping an eye on it. And, and when we landed, I, I spoke to the flight crew. I said, listen, this is nothing. I know this is nothing, but look, all right, just be aware. And so, he, and and the uh, the the, I would imagine the first officer came back with me, and I pointed it in the window, and he said, "Oh, okay, thank you." And I I left, and that was the last I heard of it. Um, so, yes, I want them to land the airplane. I guess it's by way of that long story. I want them to land the airplane. I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, that answer your question? Yes, I absolutely. If someone reports that there was damage to the airplane, I want them to come around and land and check it out. Especially they're going across the Atlantic. This could be that Air France thing all over again, you know? Well, oh, you guys are awful quiet. Bad. I'm just talking way too much. I'm going to stop talking right now. You guys yeah. go ahead. Have a yeah. podcast without me. Okay. Whatever. Um, what was I going to ask you about? I was going to ask you, um, have you ever been on an airplane <clears throat> that either had to abort its takeoff or go back to, for landing from to the departure airport? I'm sorry. You, I, I actually accidentally ran a video here. I didn't hear what you said. Did I ever something? something Have you something ever been on to, an airliner yeah. that had that had to abort on the runway or, or abort for some other reason before it took off, or had to turn around and go back to the departure airport? The latter, yes. Um, it was very frustrating, actually. Um, this was a small, uh, some sort of regional jet. I forget the actual aircraft, but it wasn't a full, you know, like a, you know, seven thirty seven. And ask the pilots how they feel about your your statement. Ask the crew about how how they feel about the statement you just made. It's a, a jet's a jet. A jet's a jet. I'm sorry. I apologize. But the point I'm trying to make here is that it was a smaller regional airliner. Okay. And, and we were, I believe it was a flight from like Philadelphia to Manchester or Philadelphia to Boston, something like that. All right. Um, and almost halfway to our destination, we made it 180 degree, big, big 180 degree turn. And I'm going, what the heck is going on here? And the captain comes on and says that we've got a warning light up here. Um, and, and we need to, you know, have it looked at and, we don't, and he said this on the, on the intercom, he said, we don't have maintenance resources at our destination. He must've been going to Manchester. We don't have yeah. maintenance resources at our destination. So we're turning around and going back to Philadelphia. All right. To, to get it looked at. And I'm going, wait, we're almost there. Go. You know, but no, uh, they, and, and I was, you know, and then of course my imagination starts going into high gear. What the heck is actually this nature of this warning? And are we going to, you know, land in a field someplace. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yes. 
I, yeah. I, it was both frustrating from a from a from a you know travel standpoint, and it was it was a little anxious, anxiety generating for me. I'm not a comfortable airline traveler. I love flying in small airplanes. I don't like airliners. Really? Yeah. 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 No, I don't like I don't like airliners either. But Stanley Kubrick was this way. I I always re- found this remarkable. This is long before I became a private pilot. Um, Stanley Kubrick was kind of notorious for the fact that he was a pi- private pilot, um, yet he refused to fly airliners. Um, to the point where, you know, he, because he, he was based in England for at a time and he had to take a ship to come to the U.S. Um, he wouldn't fly in the airliners. And I didn't understand that at the time. I just, well, why in the world? He flies small airplanes. Why does he not fly airliners? And I totally understand it now. I, I don't know whether it's my paranoia or my knowledge, or but uh, I, I airliners make me nervous. I'll fly with you, Jeb, any day of the week, you know, in the debonair, but I don't like airliners. Interesting. That's my thing. That's my thing. David, you're awful quiet. Fascinating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> do you ever? Uh, do you ever get what? Did you ever get boarded onto one of these human mailing tubes and find you're in the very last row, far in the back, between two howling JT8D uh, Pratt and Whitney engines? Oh, yeah. And suddenly find that. that the whole airplane starts to shrink. Shrink. Get struck. Yeah, I got struck by. Uh, oh, what is it? Claustrophobia. Uh, oh, okay. Did you, it only, sounds like you they, have? Did you have this? They, I, I I have twice uh, in forty years had this hit me when I was uh, uh, Lord loaded into the back of a human mailing tube. I didn't feel bad, real paranoid about it the first time because it was a, a DC nine, and they had that tail stairway. That, yeah, yeah. But the second time, uh, it was a uh, an Airbus, and there was no tail airway. And I'm looking down the aisle, and all I can see is this sea of people wrestling with their bags, trying to get them in the overhead. And I said, "Well, at least I got to get on first. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. All right. So I my advice is if you think there's any chance of damage to your airplane, get on the ground and look at it. But that's well, there's always right. that. Yeah. Yeah. ITA people felt differently. But hey, um, you know, we already got we're already airborne. We're filed for Rome. The, the, the magic is programmed already. All we have to do is watch for traffic and talk to ATC for five hours. Yeah, and just hope. Why should air, we go back to JFK? And hope that the pitot tubes keep functioning properly because what the heck? We're just going to be over the Atlantic Ocean, you know, hours from land. Anyways, okay. Um, uh, pitot. You know what I'm alluding to, right, Jeb? You, yes, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Air France, uh, yeah, what yeah, Brazil yeah. to wherever Paris thing. Yeah. Well, they okay. didn't quite make it. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be to Brazil Paris, to Paris, Paris, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. okay. All right. Um. Moving on. Moving so, on. Um, Oshkosh is coming up pretty soon. Um, and uh, what's, what's Oshkosh? Yeah, I know, really. It's been a while, hasn't it? I actually went last year. You guys haven't been in a couple of years now. Um, and uh, we just want to update people. Um, unfortunately, although Oshkosh is going on and it's going to be a great show, I was just talking to our buddy uh, Charlie Becker the other day about the One Week Wonder stuff, and um, it, 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 it's shaping up to be a great air venture. Um, unfortunately, uh, for a variety of different um, reasons, um, at least some of us, UCAP, are not going to be there this year. Speaking for myself, um, I, I'm fortunate I'm going to miss it this year. It's a tiny, tiny possibility that I, I would get up there for a couple of days, but that's a real long shot. Probably not going to happen. So unfortunately, I'm going to miss Air Venture this year. Um, Jeb, I understand you're going to miss it as well. Is that I'm uh, going to miss it as well. Yeah. So uh, um, and and my understanding, Dave, is that you're going to tr- you're trying, you want to go, but you've got other things going on that that make it. You don't know the answer to that yet. Is that yeah? I've got David? some personal business that may keep me tied yeah. to. Uh, yeah, to totally West understandable. Chicago, so I, I just I, I apologize. We love getting out in there and and meeting up with with uh, all of our our air venture friends and with uh, UCAP listeners that we see there every year. Um, and uh, and I'm optimistic that in sometime in the future we'll get back to a little bit more like normal. 
but uh, but uh, Dave might be there, but Jeb and I will not be there this year. Um, as a result, there won't be any um, um, tie-down party again this year, unfortunately. Um, hopefully that will resume in the future as well, but not this year. And uh, we're, we're talking, the three of us are talking um, among ourselves and with some of our other friends about trying to do some sort of remote Air Venture 22 daily episodes. Um, and uh, um, I, I would imagine that's going to happen somehow, some way. Um, so there'll be some sort of Air Venture content, but it, it, unless Dave makes it, it won't involve us being on the ground. So uh, anyways, sorry about that. I, we love seeing you guys. And, and some of you, for reasons that I don't completely understand, seem to like seeing us. And so, uh, <laughs> um, But uh, that's the yeah. situation this year. That's the situation this year. Um, so uh, anything you guys want to add to that? No? Uh, you all have a great time. Um, um, tip your elbow once for us. Um, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be watching. We'll be living uh, vicariously through you all. Yeah, we absolutely will, which is good, both good news and bad news. It's like, you know, it's nice that we can get some taste of it from afar, but it also makes it even harder to miss it. So I'm sorry, David, I stepped on you. What were you saying? Uh, okay. No, that's no, all right. I, I, I just heard you, I heard you gasp and I thought you were about to speak. Um, moving on. I feel like there was something else to do with air venture. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. Electric is different. That's what I wrote on the list here. Electric is different. Um, someone pointed out to me something that should have been obvious. Um, but, um, uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. So in flying our small, our, our con- conventional small airplanes, which have gas tanks that start out more or less full and end up somewhat empty. Um, in other words, the weight changes. Um, electric airplanes don't have weight change during their flight. As the best as best I understand, I can't imagine that charged versus uncharged batteries is going to substantially change the weight of the aircraft. And someone pointed out to me that that could have an effect on flight planning and things like um, um, turbulent air entry speeds, things like that, you know, because the airplane never gets lighter. You have to, you know what I'm getting at here? Um, it's, yeah. it's a different planning situation. Um, does that strike you as interesting or remarkable in any way, shape or form? No. <laughs> okay. You guys are not, you're not working with me today. No wonder I'm talking so much. Uh, well, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it's possible to measure the hydrogen gas that a charging battery gives up, but you're not likely to do it at altitude in a moving airplane. Right. But I would imagine that to the extent a battery changes its weight as it becomes discharged, it is predictable um, in the same way that you know, as you burn gas, the weight of the tank becomes, is predictable. You don't have to measure it to know that the tank is lighter now. Um, but it's also so, negligible. But I, I would imagine, I, I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine that it's negligible. Um, and, and the fact that I would also imagine that the batteries are positioned on the center of gravity or very, very close, which means that if they do change their weight, they don't change the CG at all, which I guess is probably true of gas tanks too. But, uh, Anyways, all right. Well, obviously, you guys don't find this as interesting as I do. Um, well, I think there's a couple of couple of things that that enter into this. One of the which you mentioned um, or alluded to, which is um, we're, we're typically aware <clears throat> that maneuvering speed um, is reduced as weight is reduced. And I'm not going to get into the percentages of formulas or anything like that. Right. But yep. um, so. Presuming we depart, well, it doesn't really matter. We don't have to depart with full tanks. But um, the maneuvering speed we might want to fly at the beginning of the flight will be different from the maneuvering speed we fly at the end of the flight. Towards yes, the flight. yes. Uh, that's not the case with uh, an electric or a battery or, right. or a fuel cell or whatever. I don't know, you know, physics of fuel cells. Um, it's not going to be the case with an electric-powered airplane. Um the same is going to be true for, you know, the same is going to be true for the balance uh, of the loading of the airplane. It's not going to let people move around and reposition stuff or throw it out the window or something. The, the total weight of the airplane and, and the distribution of that weight is not going to change during the flight. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of, of uh, gee, I flew five hours in my, my uh, stretched bonanza, and I forgot that 
as you burn fuel, the, the, the CG moves aft, and I almost stalled on final. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Um, which is, you know, just a dumb pilot mistake. So you're yeah. not going to have that kind of thing going on. The, the flip side of the coin is you're not going to be able to take off with, say, half tanks. Exactly. I was going to say and, that, yes. And, and go, you know, do, you know, 2,500, you know, 2,500 feet per minute in a climb just because you're light. Right. Um, you can do it. Or carry more load. Right. Yeah. You know, or, or, or exactly. You, you can't, you're not going to be able to offload some fuel to carry a third passenger or, right. or a fourth passenger or something yeah. like that. So there's all that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things we might, pe- people flying electric airplanes are going to want to rethink gross weight and useful load and payload and things like that mm-hmm. is, is one of the, one of the, um, lessons. Yes. Yes. And I, and I would imagine the people who are paying a lot of attention to electric airplane stuff are, have already thought about these. Oh, things. I'm, I'm sure they figured, you know, okay. uh, just because we're only on very much on the periphery, at least I am very much on the periphery of electric airplanes. This is kind of strikes me as, as, uh, interesting. Um, so anyways, I don't know, David, any thoughts on that, how electric operating an electric airplane would be different than operating one of our gasoline powered airplanes? Uh, well, one of the same worries we have is landing at small, remote airports. It, it, you may land your electric airplane at uh, some out-of-the-way field only to find that all it's got is a 110 wall outlet and it can't charge your battery. Yeah, or can't charge it fast. That's usually the effect of the 110 power is it just takes a lot longer. But yeah, right. no, this is a factor. I mean, a, this is a factor for for driving your Tesla too, so it's not really you know, unique in that regard. Anyways, uh, having said all that, I, I mean, electric's clearly the future. We're, you know, I mean, people who fly are going to learn these skills because I think this is the way to go, but uh, I find it interesting. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thought. I just wanted to kind of call attention to something. So during my airline adventures over the last week and a half or so, um, I found it interesting that almost every single time the airline people announced a delay or a cancellation or whatever, they almost always blamed it on ATC. I mean, like explicitly said it out loud, you know, they'd say due to ATC or due to ACC traffic congestion or due to ARC, you know, ATC restrictions. Um, And I don't know whether it's just, they're lying. Yeah, they. I, you know, I think they probably are. I, and I, they, you know, I've seen. I think I've commented on this before. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll. The other way of of doing the same thing is to just generically blame it on the FAA. Uh, I've heard them. I've heard flight attendant crews say something. You know, a very reasonable safety requirement. Don't do this when you're in the cabin. Okay. But then they say, because it's an FAA regulation. And I'm going, well, I don't think it is. It's probably smart to do what you're describing. But why? I think it gives them some weight, some authority. But uh, I don't know. I found it interesting, though, that, that uh, you know, um, they blamed my canceled, my totally canceled flight got blamed on ATC. Yeah, that's um, that's bogus. That's you bogus. Know, and, and then they're, they're ironically, all... yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Ironically, the, uh, the, the, the outbound trip where, where my continuing flight suddenly became an hour earlier, um, came on, went back to being on time, um, could well have been because ATC did something good, you know, um, although more, more than likely it was because they brought in new equipment. But, um, um, well, yeah. there's a lot of ways where ATC could be the influencing factor. Uh, I mean, they have uh, air traffic control has their uh, separation standards. And if you're flying into a big, busy Class B airport, you just may have to wait in a queue out there somewhere at 10,000 feet until they get more airplanes on the runway and out of the airspace. Yeah. No, I agree. As a matter of fact, the uh, the, the the homebound, the homebound trip where Newark to – or correction um, – Orange County to Newark, they, uh, they, the, they kept announcing we're waiting in the terminal to board and, and we were about an hour late to begin with. Um, and they suddenly started talking about how Newark had given them a, a limit. I forget the exact terminology they used, but basically they, they were telling us that, that Newark had required that we had to take off by a certain time. 
Um, otherwise, we wouldn't be allowed to take off. And I'm sure this is some sort of flow control, traffic control thing. Um, but uh, they, they they went out of their way to call attention to this. And then we didn't, we, we really pushed the limits. And in fact, we didn't take off by that time. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on in, in airline yeah. travel right now, I guess. Yeah. There's a couple of things going on. Yes, there are some, some ATC staffing shortages around the country. Jacksonville Center um, is kind of the poster child for some of that. Um, don't ask me why. Um, I, I, there's a lot of traffic going up and down uh, Florida um, from South America, from from Europe, whatever. And a lot of that traffic has to go through the Jack Center. Um, Jack's is perennially understaffed. Uh, I don't know why. It could be uh, people don't want to live in Jacksonville. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, know I don't that, think I, they know that it annoys you, and that tickles them. That that's a whole other topic that we can discuss. You know, with a with yeah. A where in the hell did that come? Yeah. But, where in the hell did that come from? Yeah, right. Jack yeah. Center and I have a kind of a love-hate relationship. I know you do. Yes, um, it's somewhat legendary. Yeah, go it's, ahead. Whatever. But uh, the other thing going on is, is you, as you alluded, flow control. Um, and it's not a matter of ATC per se. It's a matter of airport acceptance rates. Yep. Um, you get I get uh, emails when Tampa goes down the tubes. And they, from from what used to be called CF Square Central Flow Control Facility, I, it's called, I don't know what it's called anymore, but um, same place out in Reston, Virginia, um, that coordinates uh, uh, the, the flow of, of aircraft of, uh, around the country. Um, they will, and in your case, what they did was, we, we have a, a request taxi time or request clearance time or or off gate time or whatever the hell it's called uh, for your flight. And you have to make that time. Uh, otherwise you'll get stuck at the back of the line and you'll have to work your way back up. Right. And, and that happens quite frequently um, simply because it's a first come first serve thing and they have no other real way to, to pick and choose who goes first, who goes next. Um, it's, Again, I think it's li- I think it's just an outright lie for flight attendants or, or even uh, flight crew or, or or a gate person or whatever to always blame ATC. Mm-hmm. ATC is actually um, regulating um, the flow, but they're doing it so that uh, when the airplane gets to its to its terminal area, they're not circling in a hold for a couple of hours, burning gas and, and wasting uh, wasting time on engines and airframes. Um, they're doing oh, it so that once you get up and get going, you get to your destination, you land, you get off the airplane. Um, it's it's more cumbersome for ATC to have uh, to to hold people to hold flights, um, especially when there's weather. That still happens. But it's it's it happens when uh, something unpredictable happens. Um, so I, to me, it's it's just bogus. Um, um, typically, once you get on a flight and once it takes off, you'll go straight to your destination and you'll you'll be first in line to land or next in line to land. Yeah, yeah. David, any thoughts on this subject? Uh, Is it all to ATC's uh, fault? I've uh, I've been on airliners where. We were told that uh, we were waiting on the ground until that little airplane gets out of our airspace, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and yeah. I, and I kind of take great relish in turning to my pal- fellow passengers and I said, "Well, that's the biggest line of bullshit you'll hear all day," okay. and because it's not really that little airplane getting out of the airspace; it's really them maintaining separation and. It sounds like the same thing, but in practical terms, it's not. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, let's see now. Two more quick items here. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, speaking of little little things getting in the way, um, uh, L.A. Jetpack has been spotted again. <laughs> little things getting in the way. Yeah. 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 This is actually from June 24th, so it's a couple weeks ago. Um 
Uh, this is from uh, abc7.com, I believe is the Los Angeles television station's website. Person flying jetpack spotted near LAX, pilot claims FAA investigating. Um, the uh, the uh, first graph is, it's happened again. A pilot preparing to land at Los Angeles <clears throat> International Airport alerted the control tower about an apparent person flying a jetpack in one of the world's busiest landing zones. Um, the breathless prose aside... Um, here we go. It's still out there. This is just nuts. It just continues to amaze me that they can't figure this out. This just doesn't, I don't understand. Someone, I think, I think someone nailed it months ago. It's a Mylar balloon. Yeah. It's it's, it's something silly and stupid. And, you know, at, at 200 knots, it's hard to really discern what it actually is unless you get too close to it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a (laughs) balloon that's, that's, uh, hot air or, or helium or something like that, and it's made to look like someone wearing a jetpack. That's all. Uh huh. And even though some of these reports have been very high altitudes, which I guess the balloon will make which it there, right? Tracks, yeah, which which yeah. tracks because once the once you let go of the balloon, it's going to climb until it has no more no greater buoyancy, but uh, um, no greater buoyancy than the surrounding air. But the jetpacks with which you and I are familiar. Um, don't have the endurance or the the uh, um, range to yes. to climb that high or be that far from from civilization or, or whatever metric you want to use. To me, it's all just a mylar balloon. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, the jetpacks with which we are familiar. You know, I, I, I understand. Con- I, mean, I understand. I that's, a, to, that's a huge qualifier. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. I continue to say that this is you know. This is alien needs technology a, we're talking about here. Yeah, it needs yeah. A, it. It needs a bigger battery. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. That's yeah, it. yeah. Um, the story. I don't know. This, uh, this story describes this all being observed 15 miles from LAX. Um, it says, uh, you know, and and the fact though that so what what if it was a mylar balloon? Why is it only happening in this spot? All right, because it's released only nearby. So. So again, and, then and, why? and maybe only when the winds are in a certain direction. Yeah, but then you'd think that would be discoverable. They'd be able to figure out that that's you know there, that there's some you know I don't know what university program that's launching a weather balloon or whatever it is that's it's doing. It's not some university program. It's some guy in his backyard. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. I don't. You know, maybe printed up a bunch of of. Uh, Mylar balloon somewhere, and, and um, um, I, I don't know. I, in the shape of, a, of Iron Man, in, you know. Exactly, and, uh, exactly. Or um, or not, just a... Just or, a bal- or, or, you know, Halloween costumes, and he puts them, you know, puts balloons. I don't know. Okay. All right, I don't well. Know. But it's, it's, it's not a real thing. It's just, it's a thing, but it's not a real thing. Okay. All right. David, do you think it's not a real thing? Oh, I think it's a real thing, but... I question some of the altitude distance mm-hmm. uh, information that comes along with this because unless you are trained in that kind can't, of stuff, it's notorious, it. notoriously difficult to judge altitude and speed when you're standing on the ground and it's going by like a bat out of hell. So uh, I always give them a grain of thought, uh, a grain of salt that I take when uh, one of these comes up because there's just some truth to it or they wouldn't be keep happening it but uh, you know 5000 feet 3 miles from LAX uh that's not a very bright judgment yeah okay all right uh finally um sort of a, this was surprising news to me um Jana Phillips has uh has so Jana Phillips is the woman who was instrumental behind the old Sebring LSA show, which is a Sebring Sport Aviation Expo or whatever it's called. And then when that and then she left that and went to start the Deland uh light sport um expo stuff. And it was announced just the other day that she has joined the staff of Sun and Fun. Um this is a release that, uh, well, this is in, in GA News, the website. Um, Jana Phillip has joined Sun and Fun team as business development manager. Um, and uh, so uh, let's see. She'll be good at that. Yeah, she, she will be will. terrific at it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a real get for, for Sun and Fun. Absolutely. Um, it makes me wonder though. I, and the story is not clear. The story does not talk about 
whether she's going to continue to be involved in Deland or whether Deland is even going to continue, because it always seemed to me that she was really instrumental behind making Deland work. Um, although it's been been going on for a few years now, so I can imagine that there are others now who can take that baton. Um, well, and she had this whole ultra, ultra light and sport plane campus uh, idea, building a uh, a hub, if you will, for right. Uh, yeah, they and they were working on that. Yeah, and I think probably yeah. the pandemic interrupted it a little bit, but I would imagine that it's still underway. Um, so. Uh, Anyways, it'll be interesting to see what happens to land. But regardless, uh, congratulations to Jaina. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and, and congratulations mm-hmm. to Sun and Fun for, for I, getting I her. I think she'll yes. be a real asset. Yeah, David? I'm sorry I stepped I on was, you. That, that's what I was about to, to say. It's good good for Sun and Fun uh, yeah. to recognize the talent and, uh, and energy that Jaina has and put her on staff. So Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. Very, very cool. All right, then. Well, I think that's it. Uh, fork time here. Anything else, anybody? Did I miss anything? I skipped a couple items, but we don't. We're fine. Um, Where's my unless, cheesecake? <laughs> your cheesecake? I'm sorry. There's cheesecake involved in doing this podcast? I've been missing out on the cheesecake. All right. <laughs> These are my two good friends. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and getting together and chatting. It's always fun. Jeb Burnside is a uh, aviation uh, writer and editor, a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter at avsafetymag, and you can find his work, other, other work, at aea.net, Ab web.com and on twitter he is burnside j and dave higdon dave is a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the u.s editor for london's av buyer magazine you can find his work online at avbuyer.com aea.net and on twitter he is real higdon and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual, in most places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And you can sign up for my Around the Field email newsletter at AroundTheField.net. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Oh, you may have heard this before. But the key to long life is aviation because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And this information is not approved by any government entity or the American Medical Association. I see. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. That's it. Well, that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. <laughs>